0: Yes, everybody. Welcome back to Russian and Ranting, the official podcast of AFC, Rushton and Diamonds. We are back to talk all things Rushton after what's been an eventful couple of months, to say the least. But as ever, we are really looking forward to it. My name is Joseph. and I'm delighted to be joined by Scott and Alex. Great to see you, gents. How are we doing?
1: Yeah, really good. Thanks. Looking forward to the podcast.
2: Yeah, great. Thanks, Joseph. A lot of water gone under the bridge over the last uh, last month or so. Uh, looking forward to, to chatting through it throughout this podcast. And obviously, we've got Alex Collard on with us later as well.
0: We've also got to give a shout out to our colleague, Ollie, who couldn't make it today. But fingers crossed, he'll be back for the next one. Well, coming up in today's episode, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, Diamond Skipper. Alex Collard is making his podcast debut, and we're really looking forward to delving into his story and hearing his thoughts about his time at the club. He's the third player that we've had on after Tom Lorraine and Fernando Bertoxtal, and there's the basis for a good five-a-side team there. But before we get into the episode, um, we always like to come to Scott for the general news around the club, notable departures and incomings, to say the least. So I'll hand the floor over to you to expand on those a bit more for us.
1: Yeah, where do you want to start? Um, Probably start with, um, I suppose, obviously, we've had a change in manager. and the Peaks has left the club to go to Tamworth. Um wish him all the best. Um, you know, he's been with us since um 2012 when he was first assistant manager under Mark Starmer. And then in 2014, yeah, 2014 when he became first team caretaker initially, and then subsequently um, first team manager. And then since then it's been um yeah, it's been um what, two promotions yeah. as first team manager since then. Numerous silver bits of silverware, for the club won its first silverware under him. So the UCL Premier title, very lots of playoff, um, semi-finals and finals, um, and it's been, it's, it's really is probably the end, it's end of a chapter in the club's history, um, but probably the start of another one really. Um, but and since then, obviously since then, Pixie leaving, we've had um, Ty Deakin um, going to Ketrin. They made a seven-day approach on the Wednesday before the Barwell away game, um, which we should try to keep hold of him, we'll say that. Um, so he's gone up a level, which must be given how well he's done this year. is not probably surprising. Yeah. It's just a shame, obviously, from Diamond's point of view, he's gone to Catching Town because of the rivalry. And then since then, obviously, we've had the appointment of and former Diamond's legend, um, Andy Burgess, um, being appointed first team, interim first team manager for the rest of the season. And he's had his first, ga- first couple of games, um, two good wins so far. And also Lee Glo- Gloverton, an um, appointed assistant manager at the club. Scott, obviously, it's been a, a very
2: long time since the club had to recruit a manager, and you've been on the board for a couple of years now. The first time you probably had
1: any sort of involvement
2: in it, I guess. Uh,
1: actually, it's my second, <laughs> as strange as it sounds, people might have missed. It's actually my second time I've appointed to the Alberts of Diamonds, my AFC Russian Diamonds manager, because I was involved in the steering committee back in 2011 when we appointed Mark Starmer. Um okay, it was to a youth team once, so it's a bit different also to so the first time I obviously at first we've done I've been involved in a first you know, team role, Um it's it is the second time. It's a lot it I'd say it's a lot lot more different than um it was then. I think a lot of things have moved on as a club and that what you're looking in, in terms of the detail. everybody's got a bit more experience now,
2: it's, it's always a different club in many respects, isn't it? But I know you can only say so much. What what how was the overall process? What was it like kind of from from your point of
1: view? How does it work? Um, well, I'll probably start from the beginning. We, we, we Ralph um, told the rest of us that he'd got a um, phone call from the Tamworth chairman about three o'clock on the Sunday. Um, ironically enough, not long after we'd actually released the the um, endowment goal um, on Twitter. Actually, funny enough, something I, I remember joking at the time saying, "I hope it's not me which has caused them to put the approach for Pixie, because we've just released the, the goal which we have been given." Um, so there was some sort of thoughts around that. And then actually, sort of like, okay, what we sort of preempted because he'd, he'd gone back to Ralph and said he was going to think about it, um, but he would still carry on his duties as Diamond's manager. As far as he was concerned, nothing changed at that point. And then the Tuesday, about six o'clock, we um, Ralph said, told us all that we we need to arrange an emergency meeting with the board for seven o'clock um because um andy peeksy had told and said that he was he had accepted um tamworth's offer and they were going to release it about well i said nine o'clock it ended up coming out at eight o'clock but at that night so straight away we had a board meeting um to discuss about our options what we were looking for what we're going to go to do going forward so the first thing was basically just writing the statements to get those out which you saw we went out went out that night it was on the Tuesday, so we also alerted some of the, go- some of the board members who were actually going to be out training. So, like, so the football EA's one Officer so Mark Edges, um, so they could obviously be there when the, when the news was broken to them, so that they're not sort of like they wouldn't feel like they're necessarily thinking, well, what's going on here? You know, what happens now? So we could, we, so there was that support there, so we could, you know, keep them. I mean, if we needed to feed anything to training, say so what, like This is who we're going to appoint as temporary or um, who was actually going to be taking things into so the biggest Way game on the Saturday, um, we had that option. So the first thing was the statement, which was reason- went reasonably well. And then it came to, right, what's going to ha- what, how are we going to do this? So what we first really did so was, right, them here and now, who's going to be taking training on Thursday? Because that was the most important thing at that point, because we, I think, I'm trying to think, we did know Champs was going at that point, I think, we weren't sure about Chappers or you know, Tom Chapman. She's um, Scott carlin was another question, but Scott obviously Biff has stayed on with the club. So what we decided to do was, um, and it's pretty much what came out in the statement, was to go with with Tim Duddin, who'd been involved with the first team this year. He's the, he's um, head of scholarship um, at Morton College. And he's been heavily involved in the training since probably, yeah, since the beginning of the season, probably, yeah pre-season, certainly since November in the beginning of the end of November. Um, so the idea was he was going to be the head league coach and then be assisted by Biff, see so if he stayed and he did stay and possibly Tom Chapman, because at that point we didn't know that Tom was going to go to Tamworth as an option. So that was the second bit. The third bit then was about, Looking at what okay, what we're going to bring in terms of a manager, what we have been looking. So we, the Tuesday. So it was the Tuesday night. So for the Tuesday, we um, there was a couple of names which did go around potentially. Sort of like you know, options probably to approach people. Um, Andy Bird. At that point, actually, we, we hadn't mentioned Andy Bird just because I think as we know he's he's probably based in Liverpool. But anyway, see what I was over the next 24 hours. Could we put out some feeders, and we we'll reconvene for a board meeting on Wednesday, which we did the following Wednesday, and then that. Spell, I think, even like within a couple of hours of the news going out that Andy Peaks had resigned, we had about four or five CVs straight away off the bat. And then we had a discussion on the th- on the Wednesday about the interview process, what we were looking for in the moment. we imagine though it's still an interview, and what we would were, we were, the debate was whether we would try and get somebody in for Saturday or whether it was better just to leave it until what we ended up doing to the following Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday, um, with the announcement on the Thursday. Take the week, assess what we've got, make sure we get it right in terms of the performance, not in performance, sorry, in terms of the um, person who comes in, because we could have rushed it then. Possibly got somebody in on the Saturday potentially. Uh, we had no name sort of in, in mind at that point, but the problem is obviously if we got some, tried to get somebody in for the Saturday game against People's Way Town, obviously that got called off anyway, and we got it wrong for the rest of the season. We would probably we obviously wouldn't it probably would not reflect well on us as a board that we've not done our due diligence so if we thought, have tim in charge tim Dunham in charge for the saturday game against bingles way but take the week to get it right so we get it right for the rest of the um the season to make sure we get it done properly because obviously it was a lot of speculation and i saw a lot of names going around so that's where we had at that where we left at that point we agreed sort of like the interview process what we were looking for potentially in a manager, you know, in the manager, even though it's interim, just so we've got some sort of, so we know where we're heading on this, because it's been a long time since the club has appointed a manager. And even though they've done it before in like United Counties League days, it was a lot more, it's obviously a lot more, now we're in the sub League, there's a lot more to it, obviously a lot more around the role as you go up the leagues. And now it's a lot more you've got to consider potentially, because we you've got the academy coming through and other bits. They had a closing date of the Friday. We ended up, I think, like 16 to 20 CVs came in. Then got shortlisted to, I think it was four. And then there were interviews on the Monday and the Tuesday. And then we recon- reconvened as the board on the Wednesday. When the interviews were done by, I think it was about three board members, from memory, just to feedback and report back to the board. rest of the board. Then on the Wednesday, we went through um, the three candidates who had actually been interviewed. And at the end of it, we went for each one, marked them against sort of like our sort of like requirements in terms of due diligence of what we're looking for for the rest of the season, potentially also as an interim manager. And CS, uh, so yes, pretty knows, nice. um, it was agreed that Andy Burgess was the our choice, the right choice for us going forward as a club. And he stood out as a very, very strong candidate against some probably some very, very strong guys, some very strong names in that mix. Um, and then yeah, we rewrote the statement up and then on the Thursday, obviously, we announced it at half past ten. And yeah, I think it's it's, I think it's gone well down well with the rest of the club.
0: It's certainly going to take time getting used to not seeing Pixie around the club, even more so when we see him in the away dugout in a couple of weeks. But, you yeah. know, that's football. And like you say, we move on to Andy Burgess, who's taken interim charge with two wins from two. At the time of recording, he's off to the perfect start. But thank you for bringing us up to date, Scott. That's all the housekeeping covered. So, without any further ado, Let's head into today's episode. This is Rushing and Ranting, the official podcast of AFC Rushton and Diamonds.
2: And it goes from Furlongs towards Colin and goal! We've waited so long for it, but Andy Burgess has his yeah. first goal at AFC Rushton and Diamonds. And he else with the skipper, Alex Cullen, to power the head up in the corner. 1 0 Diamonds. And that goal coming in the 76th minute.
0: We've got a great episode in store today because I'm delighted to welcome to the Russian Ranting Podcast the AFC Russian Diamonds captain, Alex Collard. Well, Alex, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you giving up your time to speak to us today. How are you, first and foremost, and how are things going?
3: Yeah, not too bad. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, obviously, never any trouble, is it, uh, to come and speak to you guys? Um, yeah, no, doing all right. Doing all right. Just yeah, trying to keep ourselves ticking over, keep myself fit. Um, for the
0: running to the end of the season. Do you listen to many podcasts in your spare time or are you more of a TV series kind of guy? What's your sort of thing? Do you know what? I don't really listen to
3: podcasts. I've listened to this one, obviously. Just get, get <laughs> it in <laughs> a bit. Uh, no, no, I'm a bit more of a TV series, guys. Uh, yeah, you know, anything really that gets gets hold of me. Drive to Survive out on, uh, I think it's on Friday, actually. So that'll be, uh, that'll be one I'm going to be watching over the next week.
0: Well, let's talk about your football then, Alex. A, a lot of kids grew up wanting to be strikers and score goals. I mean, I was guilty of that myself. But what was it that made you become a defender? Was it something you just enjoyed more? Did you get more of a buzz off, you know, preventing goals?
3: Um, sort of. Do you know, I, I actually, you're going to laugh when I say this. I used to play right midfield um, like as a kid. Um, because I was so much taller than everyone else, I was just so much quicker. Mm. And then sort of I slowly moved backwards. Um, and then just one coach when I was about 14 put me in defence and ever since then, yeah, it's, it's sort of the realisation that maybe there's much better technical players, much better <laughs> quicker players. Um, so, yeah, obviously in defence, you know, you can read the game a bit better and yeah, it is a good feeling, you know, when you see the attacking lads scoring goals and it's great. But equally, you know, if you, you, know, you stop them scoring, you're never going to lose the game. So, you know, you just sort of say, right, go on then. Go and score us a goal,
0: guys. Do you know what? I'm not surprised that you played right midfield after that assist you got against Needham Market. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm still living off that. I'm still living off that one. Just out of curiosity, did did you ever spend time as a forward when you were younger? Because based on your time at Diamonds alone, I I think it's nine goals you've got since you've signed. You you seem to have a knack for knowing where the net is. Yeah, I, I did actually... When I was at university, I had a spell of about
3: six games for my university club, um, where the centre-forward was injured. We had another one away. They started just playing me up front as a target man. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. I I scored a couple of goals, but, yeah, obviously, for the Diamonds, it's, you know, I, I don't think I've scored my feet yet for Diamonds. But,
1: yeah, well, you know,
3: if the ball comes in the box, I'd always back myself to get on the end of it somehow, you know, if it comes off my head, my shoulder, my ear. Yeah, I'll, I'll get contact on it somehow.
1: Where, where did you actually start off your football game? Because you just said about your coach uh, moving from like right wing to into the centre of defence. So where did all that begin for you? Yeah. you.
3: So I started at Newport, uh, Newport Pagnall. So I came through there. I think I joined them maybe when I was 13 or 14. So I played a few years there. And then when, it, when, it, when I was maybe 15 going on to 16, so I was about to go into under 18s football. Um, Newport's under-18s weren't really I didn't feel like they were going anywhere so I went and joined Aylesbury FC I played in the under-18s there because then I was sort of in and around the first team as well so I was getting minutes in there in the Southern League Central at the time I think as it was um, so you know I was getting the odd 20-30 minutes you know if I was called up and I was getting the exposure to the first team um, but yeah it was really at Newport that I sort of started to venture into men's football um a bit more and sort of be around clubs that are like ucl prem and and southern uh, the
1: southern league
3: but yeah i got got mainly got my break at aylesbury
1: fc that's aylesbury, That's the fc we we play actually in aylesbury because obviously you've got the two teams haven't you which yeah that's it swings. so it was aylesbury fc at the time
3: um and then when i went to well i left them briefly to go and play at Mersley because one of my friends managed there and it was sort of a bit of exposure into men's football. Um, and then, yeah, when I went to university, I came back and started to play for Aylesbury uh, United um, for a few seasons.
2: Aylesbury's a bit of a trek from here, isn't it? Whereabouts are you based?
3: Yeah, so I'm in Milton Keynes. So, do you know what? It's probably similar distance from where I am um, to Russian than it is, you know, to Aylesbury. So, it wasn't too bad because we used to train near Aylesbury, um, but it was when when I was there we we were playing at Tame actually at the time, um, which was quite a way away, and then we went to Chesham. Um, but yeah, it, you know it's so sad. So sort of similar sort of issue that they've that Diamonds have had. You know they've sort of lost their ground. You know Diamonds I think have come out. You've got the fan base to keep hold of it, whereas Aylesbury I think lost a lot of theirs. Um, it's really sad to see, you know, but no, it's a great club, you know, they, they did great things for me, so really helped me progress, so I can't, you know, I'm very grateful to them. Probably got to ask,
1: actually, because if you said you played with Ellsbury United at time, did you ever come across the, um, the club before you actually signed, because we briefly played Aylesbury United at time, um, probably about 2015, I think it was?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I remember playing in that game, I, I think... My memory serves me right. We had a player. I think our goalkeeper actually got sent off.
1: Yeah. Um. We,
3: in late in the game, and I remember you, you. had a you had a winger. I think his name was Claudio. Yep, yeah, Claudio. Claudio. And, and huh. I think every time we played you, he scored from thirty yards out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah did, I, genuinely. Always. Yeah, I think he scored twice that game. I think it was five, five maybe. But yeah, I remember our our central midfielder um having to go and goal. Um, and Claudio just shooting from anywhere and, you know, coming in off the top left-hand you know, post and, you know, he's, he's just thinking, what, what what are you meant to do with this?
1: And there's a bit of a habit, actually, where Elsbury United and their goalkeeper's getting sent off, because I think that happened the second time a few years later, didn't it? And it was the same, the yeah. same player to go in goal, didn't it? Yeah, <clears and> that's <throat> it, yeah, yeah.
0: Alex, you obviously joined the Diamonds back in 2018 um, when you signed from Kempston Rovers. When did you first hear of the interest and how did that move sort of materialise?
3: Uh, so <coughs> I, I think I signed, we, Wednesday, it was the December, wasn't it? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I actually spoke to Peeksy maybe back end of October. Um, I, I was away on work at the time and I, I was quite busy with sort of work and sort of going through my professional career, really um on that side of my personal life. Um so I just said to him like I couldn't give him the commitment he needed at the time. because um, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not the sort of player that sort of turns up and if I'm gonna be part of it, I want to I do want to be part of it. Um but yeah so I found out really about it because my best mate was playing for you at the time, um Jack Westbrook.
0: Mm.
3: I think we played you at Kempston in a cup game. Um and then yeah basically after that, you know I had a chat with, with Jack and with Pixie and um, and he asked me what was my availability, would I want to come? And obviously I said, yeah, obviously I'd love to come, but just at the minute, you know, I, I just need to sort myself out a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and then a month later, my situation pretty much changed with work, which is great. Um, I had a bit more flexibility in what I could do. Um, so that's when I said to, uh, I sort of got hold of Jack and said, look, can you ask him again? Is he interested? Um, and yeah, it, it all... Sort of fell into place from there.
2: I think one of your first games was at Alv Church if uh, uh, it might have even been your first game. Um, yeah. Were you expecting to kind of get, get into the team straight away because I think you played kind of 90 minutes straight away straight in the team never really been out of it that much apart from with injuries? Yeah so well originally I, I think I
3: was meant to play I was meant to sign on the Tuesday before the Alva Church and I think we were playing, we playing Hales Owen that night at home Um. <clears throat> but for some reason, there was a bit of an issue with with sort of signing, um, so I couldn't play. But obviously, there was a bit of an injury crisis. I think Bully was out, um, Jacko was out, <clears throat> and I think maybe Blaze had sort of been in and out of the squad at the time. Um, but yeah, so I wasn't expecting to start. Um, but obviously, getting you know, you go all the way to Alba Church, and I was thinking, oh, all right, just you know, if you get your chance, sort of take it. So he pulled me before and he just said, look, you're going to start, which was you know, music to my ears. And yeah, I've been, I've been dead fortunate that I've never really had a time out of the team that was sort of unforced. Um, you, you know, so I've been very fortunate in that sense.
0: Alex Raspin just alluded to the fact that, well, I'll specify Alex Raspin because obviously we've got two Alexes on, <laughs> but he just alluded to the fact that you, you have been in the, the first team quite regularly and you haven't really had any period out. And I suppose working under Andy Peaks, you know, someone who takes pride in organisation, discipline, being hard to beat. As a defender, I'm sure you must have learned a hell of a lot with him in that time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I I think the way Peaks he played sort of suited my style of football. It wasn't a, you know, we're going to play total high-risk football. I think we we pride ourselves on being hard to beat. You know, if we can't go and win the game, we're we're certainly not going to lose it easily. Mm. Um, in that sense. So yeah, I, I learned so much from them. You know, um, with Lamy when I first signed, sort of gave me a lot of time, um, trying to help me and develop bits of my game. And then, and then, same with uh, Champs and Chappers. You know, they all spent a lot of time sort of trying to help me, just sort of little aspects. Um, and even you know, even Burge since he's been here for the last sort of few few weeks. You know, just little bits of things that we're trying to work on to try and improve my game so no it's been a great learning curve since being here
0: you obviously missed the majority of the 2019-20 season with that injury that you sustained at South Shields can you remind us how that happened yeah
3: so uh, I went to um I went to block a shot a sort of blocked the shot my boot stayed in the ground and my, my body just sort of my knee twisted over the top of it um I actually spoke to Ralph about it and I was adamant that it was going in the top corner if I hadn't blocked it um, and I, I have him on record agreeing with me, um, <laughs> but yeah. So it was, just, it was just one of those. It was a bit unfortunate, really. Um, <clears throat> what, how it happened, and and you know where it happened. But yeah, it, it wasn't the
0: greatest. <laughs> the greatest it came to it to happen in. Thinking back to that moment when it happened, did you think that this you like? Did you know at the time that it was something serious? And what were the main challenges for you on that road to recovery? Because I suppose with an injury as long term as yours, it can be quite draining mentally. Did did you feel that at all?
3: Uh, yeah. So obviously the first one, sort of, when it first happened, it was really strange because sort of felt a bit of a pop in my knee. You know, I've had I've had sort of injuries before, and you think, okay, you sort of do a I felt it. I was on the floor. I thought, right, come on, just sort of do a bit of a right, Can I can I feel my toes? Yeah, right. Everything's attached, which is always good. And it, just as I started to get up, I sort of put a bit of pressure on my left knee and it just sort of gave way. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. So obviously at that point, I knew I, I knew at that point, OK, because I felt it pop as well. OK, I, it was sort of one of those I'm really hoping it's not what I think it could be. Um. But, yeah, as I said, it was one of those, it? you wouldn't wish it on any sort of player. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the recovery, I'm really fortunate in the sense that my, uh, my sister and her, and her husband now are both physios. So um, I was pretty much in rehab the day after we or the day we arrived home. Um, and I was fortunate that they you know gave me a lot of time and attention. That We were doing rehab sessions pretty much twice a day. Um, and so that sort of mentally kept you going but yeah it, it was so hard watching football matches you know mm. from the sideline god can't sort of sit still but obviously when you can't really walk <laughs> it's quite difficult um but yeah just missed the buzz about being around the, the boys and you know the team um that's the hardest bit just being away from it all knowing it's mm. still going on without you but you want to be part of it um, yeah, that, that was mentally quite tricky. Um, yeah, you know, people have had worse injuries, so just just one of those. That's what I kept sort of reminding myself. You know, people have had worse injuries. It's happened to many people before, so suck it up, get on with it, and you know, go come back stronger.
2: What's it like trying to kind of get into the thick of things and play matches again after an injury like that? Is it playing on your mind in the first few games? Do you quickly get over it? What's it like? Yeah. So it sounds really funny, but. Actually,
3: because I came back just, just after actually COVID. That was my first sort of um it was in the sort of the pre-season after the first bit of the COVID season, you know, ended. So we were back training. not many people have played much football. Um, you know, in three or four months. Well, I hadn't played in seven or eight. But it sounds really funny, but you know, you pass in a football when you I'm so busy concentrating on just like just, just let the ball hit your foot. Because you haven't kicked a ball in so long. Mm. So I was fortunate in the sense that there was quite a few people in a similar situation, maybe not as they'd taken so much of a break. So in that sense, in terms of the footballing sense, it was quite, it was quite a weird sensation. It was like, oh, what's this? I haven't done this in so long. Um, mentally, yeah, it's, it's weird. You do sit and you think, oh, is it going to go? Um, but I sort of made peace with the fact that I sort of said to myself, when, you know, when I'm going back, it's OK. If it happens, it happens. But don't don't sort of restrict yourself, and not do things just because you're doing it in fear. Um, it, you know, if you're in, you're in and you're in 100 um, percent. And yeah, I just sort of made peace with that and just sort of tried to do everything I could to prevent that happening. Um, and as PT was great, you know, I, I, he didn't rush me back at all. I think I played 190 minutes before the end of the season, uh, before the start of the season. So, you know, we took precautions, but if I was playing, I was playing at 100%. It wasn't sort of coming on and half doing it. And, um, But yeah, you know, I'll try, even now, you know, it could still happen, you know, you touch what it doesn't, but just one of those. And it, it fortunate that it wasn't, a, you know, a tackle. It was just a movement injury. Whereas I always think people that, you know, break their leg, it must be awful because how many tackles you're making a game. Mm. So every one of those must bring back a memory, whereas mine was just unfortunate. You know, it was through no fault of anyone's. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Was... Oh
0: deep, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. certainly took me back a few years, that one. <laughs> so you came through the injury then, and uh, well, since you had the injury, I suppose we saw a bit of it as well beforehand, but you've gone on to become a real leader, not just in the team, but for the club as well. Uh, you've obviously... You're obviously quite vocal and are supportive on and off the pitch. And as a result, you've gone on to become the club captain. Do you feel that that leadership, is is that something that's part of your character? Did any of the coaches or, or Pinksy, as it was at the time, did he ask for it at all? Um, Yeah.
3: Do you know what? It's always been part of my character. You know, 90% of the clubs I've been at, I've either been within the sort of top, you know, the leadership group or or the captain of the club. So I, I don't know. It's just something that I've always had a, as part of my game. Mm. Um. You know, when you're limited in certain areas, you got to make up for it in others that uh, other people don't have. So, yeah, do you know what? It, it doesn't bother me. I, I relish the sort of the challenge of it. And you know, as I said, if if you can take off the stress and the the maybe the responsibility of some of the other players and allow them to go and express themselves without the restriction, um, you know, that's something you got to do. And you know, I think some people can see it as a burden, but for me, yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, you know, I love being captain of any team, but being, you know, captain of this club's great. Yeah, it's really, really, really special.
2: Has one diamond's a point, but could it be more as late for to goal? Goal! Goal! Two. Diamonds
0: free. What seeing, Ollie? Oh my word, what a strike. I cannot believe it. Absolutely unbelievable. I think he was the only person in the ground to see that. I was just waiting for a ball towards the back post. Um, but he played, yeah, he just totally caught the keeper off guard. Even um, when, when it hit the post, I thought he was going to come back out or go across goal, but it nestled into the corner. What an unbelievable strike from Nathan Shakuna. In the 91st minute, would you believe
2: it, Jason. If we mentioned a few
1: moments ago, it's going to be late drama. And there certainly has been. Absolutely unbelievable. So, I mean, at the moment, what would you say is your, um, sort of like your best, the best game you felt you've had so far at the club or the one which probably stands out at the moment? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh,
3: I, do you know what? I don't know if I can, rem- I can't remember a game, a specific game. There's moments. There's yeah. moments in games that I remember more. Um, you know, the one, do you know what, the one actually that really stands out, sort of going back to the injury was when I came back from, uh, sorry, when I, when I scored, I think it was against Hitchin, um, uh, no, sorry, St. Ives, because um, I remember that as part of the season that I got injured, um, we scored last minute, um, and it was, yeah, we were down, I think we we're down to 10 men. Um, so sort of I think it was Faz that uh, took a corner or a free kick, maybe, and I scored at the back post. Um, but little moments like that, sort of, they're the things I remember. Um, even to the point, you know, score. I think one of my first goals was against Royston at home. I think beating five nil. Um, just even little things like
0: that, um, they're the things I remember. But I, I couldn't really pinpoint a game. I remember that St Ives game really well because. We were all commentary that day. And just behind us, you'd been announced as mad at the match just literally seconds before the free kick went in. And to, to watch that, you know, to hear your name announced and then to see you tower up with that header a few seconds later, it was just unreal. Did, did you hear it over the PA at the time? You, uh, I hear the announcements, but I don't really sort of process it.
3: It sounds really mm. weird. Um, You're so sort focused, it, it, it sort of just drowns into a noise. You know. I, I heard my name called, but you just don't really, as you said, you just don't really think about it. It doesn't process in your mind that what what that means. It's oh, my name's been sort of called out. OK, but yeah, no, it was. Yeah, that moment was was great because it was a it was a big moment in our season as well. I think, Um, you know, taking us on, um, pushing on to where we needed to be, which was. Yeah, it's always good. Always good to score.
0: Looking at this season, then Alex, we'll, we'll talk about the, the the finer details in a moment. But how would you summarise the campaign as a whole? Because I think it's been a season of two halves in many ways. It, it's no secret that we didn't get off to a great start, but I think we had all the best teams in that first you know few weeks. Uh, but I think since then the, the team started to gel, we've developed some patterns of play, and we've seen some quality players you know brought in during the season. That and that's evident in our results in the last few months. How would you sum it all up? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there.
3: It was definitely a, you know, a se- season of two halves. It was, it, you know, the first few, first seven games, you know, they were tough. You know, make, make no mistakes. We had a tough run. Did we play well enough? No. Did we get what we deserved in a lot of the games? I think so. Um, But, you know, the games that mattered, we turned up in. Um, I think it was none eaten. I, I, I'm quite certain it was none eaten. That was a game I remember because I'd just come back from injury in that game. We were looking at it, going, "Oh, we need to win this game. Otherwise, there's going to be a gap." Because um, I think we we've Colville with Joel Gassi's last minute goal. Mm. Um. So, you know, we got a couple of points, but it was right. We need to just start. We need to start getting some points on the board. And then I think we started to pick up a couple of results and. And yeah, you know, I I remember Beeksy saying, I think he did an interview Um, very early on. You know, we have a young team. We do. You know, at 26, I'm one of the senior players in our team. Um, So, you know, we have got a young team and it was always going to take a little bit of time to get going. Um, But, you know, sticking at it, we all knew that we could do it. It was just maybe a little bit of belief, And then... you know, we're sort of reaping the rewards of that of sticking together. We've done the hard stuff now. It's now time, you know, we're going through the good time now. Um, But yeah, I mean, the second half of the season has been absolutely phenomenal. I think realistically, I think a lot better than a lot, maybe most people would have assumed, you know, maybe they thought would be top half, maybe pushing, looking at the playoffs. Is that a distant, a distant, you know, you know, dream. But I don't think anyone would have expected us to be where we are. Um, and it does, yeah. It does just show the togetherness we have as a team. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You're probably going to come up with some ungodly stat that we always seem to score late, <laughs> but that is what we do. You know, we will just. We're so together, and you know, as I said, we can stay in the game. I said it uh You know, we can stay in the game. We know we'll get a chance, and we'll all work harder than the other team. So. With that, we'll force them into a mistake and we'll somehow get a goal. We do it really well, and it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and that's, I think, a bit of a, a theme in our second half of the season. You know, it must be great for you as a comment on the commentary team. You know, the
0: last oh, it's, it's not good for the heart. Let me tell you <laughs> that. <laughs> you know,
3: but it is, it is very much... Uh, I think there were signs of it early in the season but we maybe didn't get that luck, or maybe the belief. But I mean, since then, yeah, we we just churning out results. You know, onto the next one, like three points, onto the next one. You know, if we don't win, we don't lose. You know, mm-hmm. we make sure we don't lose the game, sort of thing. So it's just about getting points out of every game.
0: Well, confidence is a, a massive thing in football, isn't it? They always say that winning breeds confidence, and. I always look back to those consecutive league wins at Stratford and Hennesford as, as a catalyst for change in our season was, was there a particular result where you could feel that things were turning around for
1: us
3: yeah i think it was the hendonsford one because it was you know the stratford game was a you know we deserved we deserved to win that game i think but it was a bit closer than what i thought and i think that one was okay have we did we fluke it was it just a, a bump, you know, we managed to get three points? And I think the Hebnessford one actually was then going, okay, boys, we're actually hang on a minute. We maybe didn't deserve to win this game, but we've managed to win it somehow. Mm. And in the way we did it, it was going, okay. Sort of everyone's looking around, going, Maybe we have got something going here. You know, maybe everything we were told and we're told to keep believing would happen. Maybe it's starting to happen. You know, there's one thing being told. You know, keep going. You are a good. You know, when you start to realise it, and you're, and I think everyone started to look around, going, "Yeah, come on, boys, we're on to something now." And that, as you said, it does just breed confidence. Um, you know, doing it once, you think, "Okay, bit of a fluke." Twice, right here we go. You know, it sort of solidifies what you're thinking in your mind, that mentality. And yeah, you know, winning is a habit. Um,
1: Luckily, we're in quite a good
3: habit at the minute, so.
1: Yeah, I think it, probably around that Stratford, Hennisford, and also Matlock games, actually, because even though obviously went out of the FA Trophy, it felt like it was number five minutes, or I think it was um, Ben Diamond, if he hadn't hit, no, actually, I think it was you hit the post yeah. it, as well. You know, if that goes in, given what happened with, um, even it had gone to extra time and penalties, you know, given what um, SNES did in, against Kettering, you probably would fancy us to have possibly won the shootout and probably gone through to the next round. So like that entire week seems to be like probably a, a turning point in the season, probably.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that, that was a really funny game, Matlock, because I think we conceded two really sloppy goals, but they, you know, they were good goals, they were good finishers, great technique. You know, we seem, I was thinking, oh, have we slipped back into our own, you know, we don't concede many chances. And oh, here we go. They've managed to pull out two that is typical. And Yeah, I think the longer that game went on, I could just feel it. You know, I hit the post, Ravi was having pot shots from everywhere, you know, making the keeper make good saves. Um, I I think I look at it now, I do look back at that game and think if we'd have had Ty as well in the team with us. Yeah. You know, um, just that extra little bit of firepower, because, you know, all the boys did great, but, you know, just that extra little something as well, would it have been the same result? I don't think it would have. I think we'd have won the game. Um, but yeah, you know, it was that was a real kick in the teeth. Um, that one, I won't lie. That hurt.
0: I think one of the key factors behind our success this season, and I think you could apply this to previous seasons as well, is how well we utilised set pieces. And I'd love to be able to find all the stats, but I'd, I'd imagine we're up there as... One of the strongest in the league on set plays. You've obviously been such an integral part of this. So a lot of your goals coming from those situations. I think. I think you said earlier you don't think you've scored a goal with your feet yet. But how much work goes into those in training? Do you spend time prepping different routines depending on different situations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you look around, you know, not just me, but
3: you look around our team. You know, I think Ben Diamond's scored maybe two, maybe one. I've scored five. Bullies got. Four or five. Brian Hughes has got three of, you know, two or three. You get a lot of goals from set pieces. It baffles me in non league that people don't spend more time on it.
1: Hmm. You know,
3: we don't sit and do a whole session, but we spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you know, at the end of the session, just right, come on, let's try this. Let's see what we can do. And I've always maintained, you know, something that Pete and and Champs actually did religiously is, you know, You can be good at set pieces. You'll score every game. You know, you'll get a goal. If not every game, you'll get a goal every other game. And it's something so basic, you know, it's not open play and, you know, free flow. It's just basic non-league football being good at set pieces will score you a goal. And yeah, it baffles me that some teams just don't work on it um, because you can be so effective from them.
0: And I think you rightly said there, if you're if you if you're good at set pieces, you'll score near enough every game. I think, I haven't got the exact stats on me and that really frustrates me, but there's only a couple of games that I can remember, like since October, where we haven't scored and that's Wade mm. at home, Russia away. I, you might have to correct me if, if there's any more, but as far as I'm aware, we've scored in pretty much every game since that Wade one.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm sure there's probably, you know, I'm sure there's probably games where that we haven't scored, but... It, it is, yeah. You know, you're looking at it and you're thinking, you know, we're challenging ourselves to think of games where we haven't scored it from set pieces. Yeah. We're a tool team. Mm. Why don't you use it? You know, it, it's something we've always pr- you know, been proud of as a team. Um, you know, we do ugly things really well. That's why we're quite, you know, we're, we're seeing this success on the pitch. But You know, all these pretty teams that are great until September when the pitch is dry up you know, they have to try a little bit ugly. The season's, you know, ten months, it's not two months. Hmm. It's great, but I think people are afraid of doing ugly things. And set pieces is one of them. You know, we if you get a goal from a set piece, you know, how many how many games have we won in the last minute? But we've won the game having scored a set piece within it. Hmm. That they're the fine margins that in our league and in non-league football of the difference between us being in the playoffs and us being some mid-table team. Um, you know, you probably count up the points. You know, from last minute winners alone or, you know, set piece winners. Probably 15 points worth. That takes us to mid-table.
2: You've had the yeah. Stourbridge and Hensford recently, haven't you? Where the, the games have been settled by those those set pieces goals, where you know maybe one to eleven or in the middle of the pitch. That we're, we're similar teams, but it's those it's that focus on the set those set pieces, which has really won this, this, those games and you know picked up four extra points. Yeah, exactly that. You know,
3: as I said, scoring from open play isn't easy, one, but equally scoring from set pieces you know, it's not an easy thing to do.
2: You make it look easy, though.
3: Ah, oh, I was tearing you up for that one. <laughs> no, no, but it it is something that if you can work on it, you don't need to spend hours doing it. Just a little routine, you know. Try and isolate someone, or or you know, just little
0: little things.
3: You get a goal from it, and that does make differences.
0: I think coming away from set pieces, one of the games that I look back at as one of the bigger ones in in terms of league position was the Albchurch game in January because. You know, they were fifth, we were sixth. We'd gone to their place and beaten them in, in what was a real 6 point. I, I know we're a confident team because of the run that we've been on, but psychologically, you know, beating the team that's above you, and, and since then we've gone on to be above them with games in hand, that must have been a massive psychological boost.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we were looking at it, don't get me wrong. We're all sort of, we're riding the wave and it's right, let's just keep it going. Let's just keep going. We know we're good enough to be there. But it was, again, going back to that, we've beaten them now. Oh, OK. And if there was any doubt, there weren't after that. It was, uh, this is a big game. But OK, we've come out of it and we've beaten them. Right, who's next? What's our next one? Hmm. You know, we're very much the hunters. Uh, you know, I've always looked at it like that, personally. Don't look down, look up. So all the time you're looking down, the people above you are running away. So you know, the next one's for sports. Um, but yeah, psychologically for us, that game was was massive. Um, I think it really proved to a lot of people, you know, outside of the club, inside the club, that you know we're not a token team to be there. We're here, and we're you know we're top of them, above us, and we'll you know we're gaining on people. You know they need to be checking their shoulders and that was sort of the thing i think mentally for us it was well oh, we're not just looking below us now it's right who's next well, who have we got where are we going next because we need to hum these people down sort of thing and that's the sort of i think that game really gave us that
2: that was the game for me where really i i, I realized that in Ty deacon we had an exceptional player i thought he was incredible that day Obviously, we've lost him now, unfortunately, but how does losing someone that key to the team, how has that affected the squad, would you say? How does it affect morale? It's a funny one, because
3: I think all the guys, you know, all all the boys realised it was a a step up for Ty, and he'd earned it. You know, I don't think anyone begrudged the fact that, he, you know, he left because he deserved it. Losing, yeah, losing a player that's scoring goals is always tough to take. You know, we just lost Ravi as well. You know, Ravi was a good source of goals for us um, or, you know, assist, you know, creating things. So, yeah, it, it was a big hit. Don't get me wrong. It was a big hit. But because we had the belief and the confidence, other people are starting to chip in more so, maybe more so than they were before. You look at Nathan. Nathan's I think, just scored his tenth goal. Tenth goal from a ten. OK, you're probably not far away from if you said at the start of the season how many goals do you want your ten to score. He probably 10 to 15 goals, really, considering the amount of assists he gets as well. You know, Connor's starting to get a few goals. AJ's chipping in. Obviously, the back four will always do it. So, yeah, it, it was a big a big loss to us. But it wasn't something that we're thinking, oh, no, the season's done now. You know, it, as good as Ty was, he wasn't a one-man team. You know, players come and go. But, but as a group of players, we're still the same squad we've just lost a good part of it. You know, a good player in the squad. We still have a great squad. Um, So, yeah, it it was obviously frustrating to see Ty go, but you can't begrudge him for doing it. Um, And, yeah, you know, we've just got to take it as as it is and just keep going from there. Yeah, we can't look back on it too much because otherwise we'll be focused on that instead of focusing on someone else. Um, But, yeah, you know, we've got good players in our squad still that are going to just as good of a job i'm sure
1: yeah i was going to say that because i think we like with ravi when he had that spell he was in and out over christmas and both connor and aj stepped up to the plate and really really sort of um sort of mitigate his you know his, his loss and that and they since then they've probably they've probably gone on another level actually you think about it since then um and I think that's probably one good thing we have got about it you said the spirit is very very good so guy, you know if some you somebody Some of you go, you lose somebody towards the end of the season, like Tyler that, you know, the other guys are going to go and step up and match the challenge, meet the challenges effectively. It's just another thing you've just got to, you know, you can conquer and you can overcome.
3: Yeah, that's it. It's that, as you said, it goes back to that whole belief thing. You know, we're getting personalities in the team that are starting to step up and go, okay, he's gone, fine. Forget about him, boys. I'll do it. And, you know, we've got a couple of them now. That have gone, you know, really stepped up, um, which is great. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, and it's good to see as well because they're so, you know, they're good lads.
0: So it's nice to see them doing well as well. We touched on the departure of Ty. We obviously lost Ravi to injury as well, but I think the the big one at the football club was obviously Andy Peaks leaving. Um, that came as a surprise to all the fans. How did that sort of come about in the dressing room? How did the players hear about that?
3: Um. So. We heard about it pretty much the evening it got announced. Um, we heard about it from PT. He You know, he came and you know, Champs and Chappers came and told us. Um, they explained their reasoning, which, OK, fair enough. You know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we found out there. Um, Chappers was good enough to take the session that night. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a shock. I think, you know, I had quite a good relationship with BC, so we spoke about a lot of things anyway. um, Was I surprised they took the No, not really, I'll be honest. Um, You know, once you sort of digest it and you sort of look back at them, well, actually, it all does make, you know, my mind. Um, But yeah, you know, yeah, it was a big, big shock. Um, And I think it came as a surprise to the players, let's say that.
2: Jackson now in the box. This could be ball back. No Derby Burgess opening goal of the game. Super work down the right hand side by Justin Jackson. Tarkan must have ball across Derby. Got bundled out of the way, but Burgess slipped his man and came in completely unmarked Far post. Drove the ball past
0: the helpless Tony Roberts. And I think, as well, how difficult must that be, you know, as the captain? Because, you know, I think fans at that point would have needed reassurance because it's it would have been so easy for the team to just crumble and, you know, essentially the season just to peter out. But I think your interview that you did with John Dunham in the week was, was really good for reassuring the fans. I think on behalf of everybody, I want to say thank you for that because that provided that reassurance that everybody needed. Did you feel that responsibility within you to, you know, to be the spokesman, if you like?
3: Um, yeah,
0: I think whether they wanted me to or not, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It, it was something, as I said, you know, not to not to sort of regurgitate what we said in the interview, but it was, you know, there were a few of the senior players. You know, Bully was absolutely superb as well in the dressing room with all the boys, because it was very much everyone was sort of looking, myself included. Mm. What is happening? You know, we had a chat between us and, you know, it was very much a they didn't make our season. You know, they certainly helped it and influenced it massively. But they didn't score the goals. They didn't, you know, make the tackles or chase down the attackers. It was, that was all us. And I think that's what we said to the boys, you know, don't let this team sort of fall apart now. Um, you know, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was hard because anyone with you know, a brain at another football club was, if you were going to go and poke someone, it, you know, go now, you know, get them while they're down sort of thing and get older players. Um, But it was great. You know, all the boys. You know, stuck together, which was great. Um, You know, they were fully focused and fully bought into what we were doing. Um, And that's what we said to them. You know, I I said to them, you know, as long as. As long as they're committed to, you know, I'll I'll make sure that every issue that they have, you know, I'll do my best with my capacity to make sure that we're looked after and, you know, things are spoken and communicated to us as best as they can. You know, and all I said to them and some of the senior boys said is just stick together um, and sort of leave everything else to us. You boys just focus on the football and we'll, you know, we're all players, you know, what happens at the club is irrelevant. Not relevant, but sort of above what we do. But it was just a, a reassurance point to the boys. That was all, you know.
0: And then the next week it was announced that Andy Burgess had taken charge on an interim basis. What's he been like to work with so far? He's obviously got a lot of experience in coaching, recruitment, etc. And I'm sure you've seen that you know, at, at the real four.
3: Yeah, exactly. You know, and he's been great. You know, since he's come in, he's been great. Um, as you said, it, you know, it's a difficult job to come into. That sounds really funny, but we were doing really well. And as I said earlier, probably a lot better than a lot of people thought. So, you know, as a manager, you're coming into a team that are already flying. Well, you know, it's it's difficult to keep that going. winning games isn't easy um but he's been absolutely brilliant you know and he's he's taken to it with all the boys brilliantly um you know it's things me i I still remember it you know one of the first conversations i had to him is little tweaks i just want to give you the extra five percent that's all we need you know we're winning games but let's let's tweak the little five percent the little edges you know that that are going to really take us to that next level. Um, And that was sort of music to our ears, you know. He wasn't here to make a name for himself. And I think it's really obvious he's here to help the team, not. Whereas, you know, some managers go and it's all about them and it's their own agenda and it's, you know, he's very much he wants the club to do well, especially the boys, and he's really helping us get there. Yeah, really helping us get there. So it's been great. I mean, sessions are brilliant. All the boys are brought in. Everyone comes away from training thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's what we need. We just need someone to sort of fit into the mould, and he's done that absolutely superbly.
2: How different is he to to he kind of on the training ground stuff like that? I mean, it's a different voice. It's going to be different. Uh, he he came in and said that he didn't want to tweak too much, and I don't I don't think he has. Like you just like you just said, he's working on those extra five percents here and there. But but uh, are there any key differences or, or obvious differences between the two? Um,
3: yeah, it's going to sound really. Funny, they're very similar in terms of how they operate in terms of their their man management. You know, they're great with the boys, you know. Uh Andy Burns is a bit more, you know, hands-on on the training pitch. You know, if he sees something he he doesn't like, he'll say. Um, and you know, as I said, the training session's been brilliant. Um, for me personally, you know, as I said, I'll make no bones about it. I really got on well. Uh, Andy Peaks, um, and for me, I was thinking, oh, how, how am I going to take, you know, how am I going to take to this new manager? How is he going to take to me? Because um, he's very much, you know, it's a two-way street. Um, and no, he's been brilliant. He absolutely brilliant. You know, I loved it. Boys love going to training. Um, we train, we train hard. We work hard, and I think as, I don't know, maybe you tell you know, as a manager, when you got players wanting to work hard in training, they're sort of buying into what you're doing. And I think that's why I'm saying they've got those similarities as well, because the boys bought in straight away. You know, there was no resistance. There was no. Right, I think we all recognised he's here to help us. And, he, you know, he's been doing that, as you, you know, I think you can see. Um, but yeah, no, as I said, they're, they're both. Similar, but they are very different in other aspects.
2: And he's obviously had a strong uh, league career and a, a great career with the Diamonds. Does that mean anything to the boys, really, or do you just take it kind of on face value? How how you see it?
3: He's quite handy in the little five sides. I won't lie, but yeah, it ace up his boots if we're sure. I reckon he'd still do a job. Um, yeah, look, I, I think it. You know, it tells you something. You listen. It's not a, yeah. know, well, he's this guy. It's oh. he's got the you know he's got the pedigree to back it up. If there's a disagreement, you've got that. Well, who am I to tell him otherwise, you know, what have I done compared to what he's done? So in that sense, you know. I think it's more of a a respect as well, just because you think, well, you know, he's done it. You know, people that talk about doing it and there's people that have done it. Yeah, two very different things. And, and, you know, he's done it. So you sort of take what he says and you go, okay, yeah, spot on.
0: You've obviously got off to a great start under Andy as well. You've got uh, wins over Hennesford and just recently Lowestoft. And I, I know you weren't at the Lowestoft game, but did did you have the chance to see Nathan in goal?
3: Oh, the sorry, I thought you said Nathan Ingars. Thinking, oh, I definitely didn't see that one. <laughs> you know, what I, was, I was saying to him. I said to him on uh, Thursday. see, I, I watched the uh, the watched the highlights, um, and obviously I heard the comment. I watched the uh, the YouTube clip of your commentary. And, you know, so you're hearing it, thinking, okay. What's he done? Because Nathan's always had that in him. You know, you've seen it, I think it was at Colville that he scored three. Everyone's gone, oh, like, oh what is, how has he done it? Mm. You know, you knew it was going to be special. And then when you saw it, I didn't realise how far out it was. Um, and, you know, first thing I looked at it and went, oh, keeper's done. And then I, I saw him hit it. I went, oh, he's hit that from a, you know, he's hit it hard as well. You know, I still tell him that the was out of position, but <laughs> not the, not that you could see it in the camera, but you know, but yeah, <clears throat>
0: fantastic goal, wasn't it? You know, it must have been amazing
3: to be there and see it.
0: With that said, then I'm, I'm going to put the million dollar question to you because I've been having this t- same discussion with some of the fans on Twitter. I think we all know which two goals are going to go down for goal of the season at the moment. Both of them amazing in their own right. Yeah, in your opinion, at home. <laughs> um, <laughs> So in your opinion Bully at Tamworth or Nathan at Lerstoft or any of the Alex Collard mm. collection <laughs> well I'll well, I'll, tell you what,
3: I'll, go, I'll go for the two that are going to be third and fourth then um, Bully or Nathan I suppose it's
0: yeah. difficult because you saw Bully's one you know
3: I, in I the was about to say that <laughs> Bully's goal was you know that was special I didn't see Nathan obviously, obviously I didn't see Nathan's but knowing what he's like, I can imagine it and seeing sort of the bits, I can imagine it being I think I'd still go bully. Mm. Purely from the fact that he's a defender, so it's always good. You know, I was there but equally I knew how good the Tamworth goalkeeper was. You know, not, I'm not saying that the, the last off one wasn't but you know, the Tamworth, I know how good that Tamworth goalkeeper is. And to do what he did was you know, brilliant but if you told me it was either one of them, you wouldn't. I don't think you can have any arguments either
0: way. Because I think the Vafe's goal as well that there was, and obviously you weren't there, but there was a bit of an anger and venom about it because you know he wasn't having the best of games. I'm sure he'd admit, and you know decisions were going against him, and the, the referee even called Nando over to sort of mm-hmm. have a word before it. I think part of that actually sort of you know made him do it. You know, not many players have have the confidence to try and do it from forty yards or whatever it was, and. Obviously, you you see it every week, but he seems like the kind of player that would try things that others don't.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, I, I've
3: I've played football with Nathan for years. I, I remember being at Oldham United when he came in. I think he was sixteen, and I still to this day remember we were playing Barton Rovers away, and we were one or it was one all, and he's taken the ball and he's taken it on five or six different players and put it in the bottom right hand corner, and everyone's just gone, oh, hang on, hang on a minute, who's this kid? You know he's always had it in his locker, um, and yeah, he does have that. Plays on the edge a bit. I think he's brilliant because you watch him and you think you sort of you hear him players getting into him. And you are all sort of looking at each other going, well, I "Wouldn't be saying that because he's now going to do it out of spite." You know he's going to do something ridiculous. Out of mind. You see it. You know he scored. You know the goal against Colville. Um, I can't remember who we were playing. We were playing at home. And, you know he shot from forty or well, the halfway line. He's got it in him to do something that everyone goes. Oh, hang on a minute! And I think that's exactly that's why he works so well in our team. But the other thing with Nath is he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He puts in. He, he works probably harder than any ten that I've seen. Um, that is why I think he's been. You know, ten goals, numerous assists, but his work off the ball is brilliant as well, and he drags the team around him, drags us up the pitch. So, no. I'm really glad that he scored it. You know, not that we've heard the end of it, but um, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad that he scored that goal as well.
1: It's so very much Wayne Rooney against Newcastle, I think is what's been compared with at that point where I mean, it'd been a little bit close, it probably goes into the houses, but because he got it got moved back, it's perfect, so he just hits it with anger and then it just goes straight in off the post and yeah. onto into the opposite corner. But, uh, Wayne's got a long way to go until he reaches that standard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um I mean, he's, it's his first season at, at this level, actually, so it's been quite surprising how well he's actually done, really, I suppose, really, because sometimes it, it can be quite a bit of time for players to get going and get used to it, because I know, I think, um, like, Ty or that, when he was at the club, was saying he was struggling to try and get used to the transfer, of the fitness and that. But Nathan, it seems like he's just taken it to like a duck to water, effectively.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it took a few games to get him going, but well, I think he's by, you know, the one thing, with Nathan is... He'll tell you. He's very honest. Um, And he's very self-aware. You know, as you said, you said earlier, you know, he might not have known he was having the best games. He'll tell you. You know, I didn't have a good game today. But he's, you know, ever since he's come in, he's never changed the way he plays. Nor should he. What we've learned to do is mould how he plays. You know, how can we get the best out of him? We know what he can do. You know, he's got as much ability as anyone in our league. You know, he's technically up there with some of the best in our league. And it's just really trying to get that out of him. How do we how do we maximise that? Very similar to when we brought Ravi in. Ravi was typically a player that we'd never really had before. Well, how do we work to try and get the most out of Ravi? You know, we don't want to change him. We want to tweak a little bit, but we don't want to change him. How do we get the most? but yeah you know nate has been great he's a good lad as well you know as i said so i'm really happy he's doing well and just just hope he sticks at it in terms of you know with the goals keeps working hard keeps his feet grounded because yeah you know he can still go a long way
1: i suppose just looking at from your perspective I think you've had quite a few partners um especially early doors in the season How have you found that with the guys because we've had you've had hughes you've had patrick paddy you've had um obviously liam how's that been for you this season especially with some of the guys pushing up and especially when Bully was injured you know jump stepping into the breach to to be counted
3: yeah it's it's quite a funny one defender because it is a lot about relationships you know understanding how each other play um and obviously I've played quite a lot with Bully now you know played a lot of games together so we sort of got that understanding but you know you look at Hughesy, for example Hughesy has been... I, I genuinely think he was playing earlier on the season we were playing together. It was Stratford at home... Uh, Stratford away, sorry, a few months ago. He was fantastic. You know, Absolutely brilliant. Um, against Nuneaton away in that game that I said um, earlier. You know, fantastic. I think when you've got a squad like that that you can rely on these people, all of us, you know, you wouldn't begrudge any of us starting, you know, at all because everyone's come in and done so well you know i think reliability is the best way to describe or reliable is the best way to describe paddy you know hughesie bully you know myself walks we're reliable you know we're not going to be 10 out of 10 every week but we're going to give you a seven you know i'm saying that you know here we go i'm gonna we're throwing a three this week but uh, (laughs) you know so it makes it so easy to adapt because you've got good players good, honest, we're all on the same page with how we play, you know, there's nothing better than seeing if you're not playing your mate scoring a goal. You know, I, te- I actually texted text usually on the Saturday, you know, because it's great to see your team, you know, or defensive team doing well. Um, but yeah, so you know, it's been it's, it's dead easy, to, you know, swap between because we all get on so well. We will know how each other play, and I think we all complement each other with within different combinations.
2: For an Immediate response. Long from ranking it was a touch in there. Chalov missed it, and the level. Andy Burgess has levelled these for Rushton. All the shot led for just
0: one minute, and Andy Burgess. And I'm sure as a defender, it must be great playing in front of a, go- in front of a goalkeeper as, as good as Steads. I mean, a lot of people say he's the best in our league. I'm biased, so I think he's the best at step three. Where, where do you stand on that one? he
3: is like a brick wall. It, it's so demoralising in training, playing against him. <laughs> like, it's impossible. He, he, genuinely, he's probably the best goalkeeper I've either played with or against. Hmm. You know, comfortably yeah, yeah, he he's he's great. and uh, yeah, as a defender, it sort of gives you confidence you think not that you want to make a mistake, but you always go,, oh, if I do, huh, get past that wall in the goal, you know <laughs> so it's good in that sense because you think yeah oh, you know you're confident, you know on a one on one you're backing every time, you know, so it does give you that level of confidence that you can express, you know be a little bit more you know, expression with the ball, you know, when you get it or try and take a little bit more time because, you know, you've got someone like that. Um, but yeah, I, I do. Yeah, genuine, he's the best goalkeeper at step three comfortably. He's probably one of the better goalkeepers at step two. From what I've seen, you know, you put him in any step two team, I genuinely believe he would not only get in their team, but thrive in teams in step two.
1: I just think about that uh, um, save, so he put that yeah, it was a well cast save against um, Leroy later. He took it yeah, up against Manitia. That was fantastic. still think that's, best that's probably one of the best saves I've seen at a goal from a goalkeeper at this level. And yeah. A progress, you know, can't think of
3: another one. No, uh, absolutely. He, even the games at the start of the season, you know, when we were struggling, you know, they could have been five or six if it weren't for Sned's. You no, know, seriously. You know, as a defender, it kills me saying that sort of thing. But it's true, you know, you've got to be realistic. But, yeah, the one against Manitia was... Yeah, that, that was the difference. That wins you the game. You say gives you that
1: confidence, though, doesn't yeah. it? That's the defender. Oh. Just so you know you've got him there pretty much that wall to keep it out if things go wrong.
0: One of the ones that I like as well was, um I think it was St Ives recently to 4-0, that quadruple save he made. And I think the impressive thing about that is, you know, he's not had a great deal to do all game, but the moment you need him, he comes up with these four saves, like cat-like reflexes, and, and you just think, you know, how is he the way he is?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I was actually off with COVID in that game, but it goes back to what I said about, you know, all the different combinations of defence. Reliable. He's very, very reliable. I can't think of a game where he's made, I mean, if he's made one, two mistakes this season, I'll be amazed.
0: I, I, think I can't think of a I'll game. Church at home, but it only I, stands out because I, he's made so few. Yeah. And that's what I mean. You know,
3: it, it was almost a surprise. Oh, wow. He, you know,
0: he is.
1: You're struggling to think of mistakes, aren't you? Yeah, yeah
3: absolutely. Yeah, he, he's so reliable. Um, and it, and he's great because he does talk. You know, his concentration is is
0: brilliant. Well, we're almost out of time for today's episode. But Alex, it's been great hearing your story. I've really enjoyed it, as I'm sure Scott and Alex have as well. Just one final thing before we go. Have you got a message to the Diamonds fans who have given the position that we find ourselves in? We're really looking forward to the running and the rest of the season.
3: Firstly, yeah, it's been great being here. You know, I've really enjoyed the time. So, uh, you know, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, To the Diamonds fans, all we can say is we've just got to keep riding the wave, you know. Take it one game at a time. Give the boys your back in. Don't expect us to play well every game because we won't. But or, we need everyone together now. You know, we need to get the bank stand rocking because it makes a difference. You know, all those little 5 percent keep saying it but they're the difference and and I think as fans you don't realise actually what what you can do you can give us that extra little something and in games we're going to need it you know because we're doing well but we just got to keep together you know trust trust the process trust the games we'll keep working hard um, and just keep supporting us and and enjoy it That's the that's the
0: main thing just enjoy it Fantastic. Well, thank you once again for your time, Alex. And of course, we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Hopefully we can finish in those playoffs and then I guess we'll we'll see what happens from there. But Scott and Alex Raspin, thank you once again. It's been a pleasure recording with you both as ever. And thanks to you guys for tuning in. Don't forget, you can find us on social media. Just search Russian and Ranting on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us over on those. In the meantime, make sure you stay well and we'll see you all again in a few weeks for another episode. Take care, everybody. And up the diamonds.